Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you here today, and it's great to be back in the homeland. Michigan. Oh, no, it's not Michigan. It's Maryland. I have lived so many places. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, Jane and I and Weston, we now live in California, which is uh, on the other side of the country. We're West Coasters now. I, I never thought I'd live on the West Coast. And um, there's uh, only one thing that I, a couple things I like about the West Coast. First of all, everything happens three hours later. You know, it's uh, really weird. You turn on the news, and it's actually, the news is three hours later than it used to be, so you just kind of listen to it, and you go, this already happened three, three hours ago. So I get up at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I think about all my East Coast friends, and I'm like, everybody's been up for a long time, and I'm just getting out of bed, and, uh, but it's great. So we're glad, um, maybe some of you, the last time I was here at, uh, at City on a Hill, you were in a movie theater. And um, we were actually living in Michigan at that time. We were pastoring, um, I mean, we were district superintendent in Michigan. Were we not? We were here last summer. Okay, wow. <laughs> See, I need my wife. I'm getting old and senile, and um, I don't know where I am or what I'm doing, so... <laughs> But it's good to be with you. Uh, I see some folks that I've known and loved dearly for so many years, and uh, it's just good to see you today. We've got a full house here today. Praise God. I love this environment. It just This is incredible. I mean, this uh, wonderful um, auditorium, and it's a little equity, echoey, echoey, but it's uh, just awesome. And this guy right here. We have a mutual admiration club going on here. He likes me, and I like him. And um, out of all the Valenstein kids, you guys got the best one. Right, Sandy? Right, Sandy? I mean, you are, you're the best realtor in Howard County, right? So I've got the best son right here, right? Yes. Good to see you, Sandy. Where's your hubby? Playing golf. Oh, I, I tell him that I am so mad. But golf is really good, near and dear to my heart, so I don't know, maybe golf is better than Pastor Kevin. So, Hey, take your Bible, let's go to uh, Second, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 today. Um, you're, we're in this, you're in this series called Influencers, and um, I just thought, wow, here we are um, talking about influence, and if there's anything that I have experienced over the last 30 years of ministry, is I've seen, as Pastor Shane just shared, the, the, the power of influence. And, um, and really, you have that power in your life. You are, whether you know it or not, every single one of you in this room is an influencer. You are either influencing for the right things or you're influencing for the wrong things, but all of us are influencers. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter if you're male or female, no matter what your occupation is or whether you're in pastoral ministry or you're in you know, real estate or you're in IT, it doesn't matter. You have influence in your life. And my prayer is that God would help you to continue to be an influence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
that that kind of influence would manifest itself in you, that you would see your life making a difference in others. And so this morning, we're going to look at um, a letter from, from the Apostle Paul. If, uh, if there's anyone that, I, that I've come to love is, is the Apostle Paul. He writes 13 letters in the New Testament, and um, his life was an influence upon so many others. He was called to be an apostle, sent out to be a missionary. He actually planted churches. You're a church plant. By the way, every church in the world is a church plant, okay? Every church has a beginning. And, um, and so we're excited that this church, a little over five years old now, right? Six years. Wow. Um, it's, uh, it's so cool. And you've actually been in three different locations? And so, I mean, moved around. So the Apostle Paul traveled around preaching the gospel, planting the church. And then usually what he would do is he'd write a letter back to those churches that he had planted. Um, and he would, he would instruct them. He would encourage them. He would, he would, he would just kind of communicate with them. They didn't have email back then. And they didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have the ability to have Zoom meetings, you know. It was all done by somebody writing it out and a courier taking it to another location, and then they would read it publicly, and they, sometimes they would pass it around to other churches. Well, this is one of the letters to the church of Thessalonica that Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. It's one of his latest letters. He had already been in ministry as a, as a missionary and apostle for well over 20 years, and he writes this letter, and I think it really kind of reflects his heart and it really helps us to understand what influence is really all about. Because my desire is that each and every one of us would leave here today and go, I want to be a better influencer for God. Amen? So let's read together. Let's stand together, starting at verse 1 and reading down through verse number 12. If you have your Bibles or your pads or your phones, whatever it might be, let's uh, read. I'm reading from the New International Version, and the Scripture says this. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put you on a, on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. And as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You were witness, and so is God, of, our, of how holy righteous and blameless we were among you who believe for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging comforting 
urging you to live a life worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word today. Speak to us, I pray. Speak to us. We need to hear from you, not from me, Lord. We need to hear from you, O oh God, so speak as only you can speak. Penetrate our minds, our hearts. Help us to hear you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Paul begins this letter, actually, in, um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 6, and he says these words, and he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You became imitators of us and the Lord. And um, an imitator means that, that people begin to follow you because they see something in you. They notice something in you. Um, if you're a parent, you're, you're, you're an influencer. You are influencing your children to be like you whether you like it or not. Okay, At the older my kids got, the more I said, and how, where did they get that behavior from? And how did they learn that? And then I turned around and go, oh, it's right here. They become imitators. I pastored here in Ellicott City at Crossroads for 17 years. And, um, and whether I liked it or not, the church began to take on, the, churches take, take on the personality of their pastor, of their leaders, because they influence it. City on a Hill has, has the fingerprints of Shane Valenstein all over it. All over it. In every aspect of it, you can find the, the heartbeat of, of your pastor. And that's because, because he is beginning to influence those that he is shepherding and leading and building his kingdom. And that's exactly what Paul says to the church of Thessalonica. He says, you have become an imitator of us. You become an imitator of us, the scripture says. He goes over in 1 Corinthians 4, 16. He says these words. He says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I urge you to imitate me. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says this. He says, um, he says follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. And really, that is, that is the heart of what influence is all about. John Maxwell said, influence is nothing more than leadership. And whether you like it or not, all of us are leaders in some way, shape, or form. Because you're making an influence on other people in your lives. And God wants you to do that. And so, so as we look at the scripture this morning, you'll discover that he says some things about, about influence that really are characteristics. They're pictures of what it means to be an influencer. But Paul, or the Hebrew writer, says over in Hebrews 13, 7. Um, sorry, I keep looking back because I'm used to having a screen in front of me. But it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. And I love what he says. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider those who are preachers of God's word. And those of you who are pastors in the room, you all understand this. The very first thing you got to realize is not just about a stage, it's about a life. It's about the way you live. It's about demonstrating Jesus Christ with, 
with every area of your life, not just your public life, but your private life. Your private life and your public life should be one and the same, and they should be role models for those that we are leading into the, into the, into the Christian life. We learn to be Christians by observing one another. We learn to follow Jesus Christ by seeing Christ in one another. And so as you grow in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ lives in you, there are people who are watching you. They're observing you. And some of those observations will lead them closer to Jesus. And some of those observations, unfortunately, will say, well, if that's the Jesus you serve, I don't want anything to do with him. And they will walk away from Jesus. And that's why it's so important for us to realize that all of us, as the scripture says, are witnesses or we are influencers of other lives. And so Paul, I mean, the Hebrew writer here, we're not so sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. He says, consider the outcome of their way of life in the interior of their faith. Could I just tell you, that scares me to death at times. Because you know what? Even the greatest leaders in the world have faults. Even the greatest leaders in the world have places that Jesus is still working on and still developing us to be more and more like Jesus. We also learn how to live Christians by listening. Notice what he says. And the things you have heard me say. For those of you who are in the room that, have, that I pastored, you heard me say a few things over the years. You probably have heard me say several things several times over the years. And you probably heard Pastor Shane say several things several times over the years. Because what we say over and 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 over, you get the point? It makes an impression on those who are listening. How many times did I say to my kids, fix your attitude? Fix it. I don't need it. I don't need it. My mom, your mom doesn't need it. And I definitely can, you're the only one that can fix it. So fix your attitude. And I say it over and over and over again. Because attitude matters. And your attitude about life matters. And so there are certain things as you preach the word and you teach the word and you demonstrate the way you live your life by not only your actions, but the words you say makes an impression on other people. And then what happens? People take the things you say and the things that have influenced them, and they begin to say it to others. And all of a sudden, your life, that you're influencing the people who are listening to you, are now hearing what you're saying, and they're turning around saying it to other people, and then the multiplication begins to work. That's what we all want. If you're a parent, what do you want your kids to do? You want them to grow up to be great men and women of God, and who demonstrate the things that you have taught them and begin to model it for their children and their children and the next generation. And so there's a relational aspect of the Christian life. It's the key component in learning how to be like Jesus. We learn from one another. We teach one another. We learn from one another each other. And that's why it's important that we gather as a body. Now, I love the fact that we can have online services, and I know we're online right now. Praise God for that. But could I just be honest with you? It's better in person. Not only is the message better and the worship better, 
but you have relationships with one another. You need to be in a body. You need to be in a church. You need to be in fellowship. You know why? Because the church needs you and you need the church. It's not just, you know, you come and you take, 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 take. You come and receive so that you can give it away. You come and serve. You come and make a difference. And those are the, that's the way that the Christian life is supposed to be lived. So the goal of every Christian is to make a difference in other people's lives. Amen? I mean, it's, it, if you're all living about yourself, you're not a Christian. Let me say that again. If you're all about yourself, you're not a Christian. Jesus came to give his life for you. And when you receive him, you take on his mission, his purpose, his life lives in you. And you begin to live it out. So three characteristics I want to talk to you about this morning. Three characteristics of, of, of being an influencer. Here's the three characteristics that Paul teaches us here in this letter. The first one is, you must be willing. If you want to be a person of influence, you must be willing to pay the price. To pay the price. It's a simple fact that in order to have a positive influence in this world, it will cost you something. It will cost you something. Notice again what Paul says here in, uh, in the first verse of chapter 2. He says, you know, brothers, we had previously suffered and been ins insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. Paul, as a missionary leader traveling around from place to place, found himself under persecution. They would lock him up in jail. They would beat him. They would laugh at him. They would, they would try to kill him. And why did Paul, why was Paul willing to take such a massive price that he would take on his own life in order to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? Because he knew that he want, his life was no longer his, his life was God's. And his life was to serve the Lord. Why would anybody want to go and sometimes go to a foreign land and preach the gospel and make, a, make disciples? Why do we want to plant churches that are so difficult today? Why do we want to continue to do the things that God's called us to do? Because we're willing to pay the price. And Paul was willing to pay the price. He was willing to pay the price because he knew that without him paying the price, others would not know Christ. Other disciples would not be known. Over the years, I've discovered that ministry, as you heard your pastor say, is not easy. It's not easy. I showed up in California on April 1st, 2020. I flew into LAX on an airplane that had one other person on it. I got into the airport, and there was not one person in the entire airport. It was creepy. There were no cars. If you've ever been to LAX, it is a zoo. Crazy to get in and out of there. There was nobody there. I got in a car, and we drove to where I live today in Bakersfield, and there was not one car on the highway. And then for the next six months, I preached behind a camera to a church that I did not know. 
to a people I did not know. I saw names, but I had no idea who they were. And all I could do was to stay focused on the Lord's called me here to Bakersfield. The Lord wants me to preach his word. The Lord wants me to take care of his church. And I was going to willing to pay the price to do that. You've got to be willing to pay the price. In some of the most difficult moments of your life, it's sometimes the most influential you can be in your life. Let me say that one more time. The most difficult points in your life can, can birth some of the greatest influences in your life. Let me say that one more time. The most difficult times in your life can create the greatest opportunities for influence in your life. When you walk through the fire, when you're going through suffering and pain, when you're going through heartache, God is going to use your life in a powerful way because people will observe your endurance, your perseverance, your, your influence will be marked by sacrifice. Not just about good times. All of us can do it when it's easy. Question is, can you do it when it costs you something? When it costs you something. Can you, can you help your neighbor when you don't have time? Can you make an influence on kids and kids ministry and you can get up on Sunday morning and say, oh, I really don't want to really do children's ministry today. I think I'd rather stay in bed and watch Pastor Shane online. It's a whole lot easier here with my coffee and my pajamas. Instead of getting up and doing what God's called you to do and coming in here and sitting downstairs with the third and fourth graders and teaching them about Jesus. Or setting up or whatever you need to do. It will cost you something. People of influence are willing to make a difference. People need to see your endurance. That's so important. Paul did it for a long, long, long time. I mean, think about it. He didn't go on one missionary journey. He went on four missionary journeys. In his last missionary journey, he ended up in prison, in, in chains, and they dragged him all the way to Rome where he was in a prison cell where he eventually wrote some of the greatest letters that has ever been documented in the Bible, one of them being the, Philippian, the letter to the Philippians, which is known the book of joy. He says, I'm in chains for the gospel. I'm in chains for Jesus. Today, his influence continues in your life because he was willing to pay the price. Pay the price. Second thing, second characteristic. Oh, by the way, I was going to tell you about these two. I, these, this is my pastor. His name is Richard and Louise Clifford. They were my pastors when I got saved at 15 years old. They pastored a church in Wareham, Massachusetts for 27 years. And out of that church, there is over 200 ministers in full-time ministry. 200. In a little church of about 200 people, they were, a, they were a machine of manufacturing pastors and leaders and creating opportunities because they lived a life of sacrifice to others. Their life was everybody's life, literally. 
Their parsonage was like, you would, you'd walk out of the front door, which would be right there of the church, and you'd walk into the front door of their house, which is on the other side of the parking lot. And they left the door open to the parsonage. And here's what they said. Anybody who wants to come see the pastor, just come on in. Don't even ring the doorbell. Talk about sacrifice. You ain't doing that, right? <laughs> you got to call first. You, you, you just can't show up at your house. I mean, they would open their, their, their kitchen up. They would have meals for everybody. And for the first three years that I was a Christian, I would just hang out at their house. And this guy, Pastor Clifford, you know what he became? He was like a spiritual father to me. He took me under his wing. My dad had died when I was, tw when I, when I was about 12 years old. I lived in a foster home. And it was, it was his love as a father or in a mother, a spiritual father and a spiritual mother, making influence on a teenage kid who had come to Christ at 15 years old. I learned how to be a pastor from watching him. I learned how to preach from watching him. I learned how to love people from watching him. He taught me more by observing him. He didn't sit down and give me lessons, but his life was a lesson. Your life can be a lesson because you open yourself up and allow yourself to love others and that, my friends, will cost you your time, your money, your emotions. It will cost you something. It will sometimes will not be convenient. Mrs. Louise Clifford, by the way, they're both right now in their 90s. They live in Kansas, retired. And you know what Pastor Clifford does? He's the middle school Sunday school teacher. He hangs out with 6th and 7th and 8th grade boys. How would you like that? Amen? He's all in. Mrs. Clifford's not doing so. Second thing, willing to please God first. Willing to please God first. There is a big difference, a huge difference between people pleasing and influencing people. You can't please, now catch this, you've heard this, people say this, you can't please all the people, all the you can't even please some of the people, some of the... Catch this. You can please God all the time. You can. Now, I'm not saying you do. I'm saying it's possible for you to please God all the time. And if you want to live your life as an as a influencer for God, your first priority has to please Him, not people. Because if you try to please people and you're just a people pleaser and it's all about getting people to love you and like you, guess what? You're really not having a very good influence on them. You've actually got to be an influencer by, by, by following God first. And that's what Paul says here. He says, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. So he's saying, listen, we were with you. We didn't try to trick you into following Jesus. We weren't trying to, you know, our motives were pure. He says, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And I love what he says. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our heart. You know we never use flattery, nor we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, 
not from you or anyone else. We live today in what I call the fame-shame culture. You know what the fame-shame culture is? The fame is we like likes on Facebook. How many of you have posted something and then go back and look how many times did people like it? How many people commented on it? And the more comments and the more likes, we're all guilty of this if you're on social media. Aren't we? But fame, people about fame, 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 fame. Or shame, they just cancel you out. Wipe you off the face of the earth like you never existed. Fame or shame. Either look at me, how wonderful I am, you know, Get on Facebook and people are taking their clothes off and saying, look at how wonderful I look. You'll never see me without clothes on on Facebook. I just want you to know. You know? But it's all about how great you are and how wonderful you are. And it's the approval. You're not going to have influence on other people if you're focused on yourself. If it's all about trying to get people to like you and love you and think you're so wonderful. Instead, you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, and you say, Lord, I serve you, and you only, and I'm, the only thing I want to do is please you, and as a result of pleasing God, you will influence others. You will find that people will begin to be attracted to you, not because of your physical stature, your incredible intellect or wisdom, your charisma, but they'll be attracted to you because they will see Jesus in your life. That's the best kind of influence. You want them to say, I love God more because I know you. I understand God more because I know you. And that's what Paul was trying to say here. We are not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. He goes on to say in Galatians, he says it this way, and am I now seeking the approval of men or from God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so Christ wants us to live our lives in such a way that we're trying to please him, please him. And that means at times, you might even have people in your life you have to say some hard things to. You might have to speak truth. You might have to have times where you have a come to Jesus meeting. You're a mom or dad. You're not your kid's best friend. You're their parent. Your mission is not to get your kids to like you. Your mission is to grow your kids to be godly men and women of God. And sometimes that will lead you, them to the place where they won't like you too much. And it's okay. They'll grow up. But if you don't speak into their life, if you don't influence them with the right things, I'm not saying you should be a jerk. I'm not saying you should, you know, be some, you know, some just... Just person that's just walking around like you are God's gift to the world. No, you are a servant. You're an influencer. But your mission is not to please 
Your mission is to please God and influence others. There are times when Pastor Shane and I would have meetings together and I would say, hey Shane, don't do that. And there are times where he would say, yeah, that's right, Pastor Kevin. And there's other times he'd look at me and say, Pastor Kevin, you ticked me off there. I didn't do that much, did I? Once in a while, <laughs> you know. But we seek the approval of others, you know. I love this quote by Tom Landry, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys back in the day. One of the greatest coaches of NFL. He said this, the job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they're always wanted to be. That's the mission of a coach. The mission of a coach is to look their players in the eye and say, you're not playing hard enough. You didn't follow through on that play. You didn't work out. You didn't show up on time. If you're a boss, an employee, you have people under you, sometimes you've got to do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing is not popular to those that you oversee. But that's influence. God's influence in your life. Amen? So, so I encourage you. It's impossible to please people all the time, but it's possible to please God all the time. And when you do the right thing, you make, them, make, you, you make that tough, unpopular, all too unnecessary decision. He is pleased. Your employees, your co-workers, your ministry colleagues, your friends, your children may all be disgruntled for a while, but if God is pleased, you've done your job. Amen? You've done your job. Here's the third characteristic. The third characteristic is willing to share his or her life with others. I love, this is probably my most favorite verse in, in, in 1 Thessalonians. We loved you so much. Now remember, Paul, church planter, spent time in Thessalonica, now left Thessalonica. He's writing a letter back to Thessalonica. And he's writing to them and he's saying, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but, what's it say? Our lives as well. Our lives as well. Because you have become so dear to us. When I come back to Maryland, I'm here from Thursday to Tuesday. And Jane and I, we go, this has been a really, really busy trip. You know why? Because so many people are so dear to us. We love so many people so much that we want to catch up with all of them. We want to hear their stories. We want to, we want to, we want to, we want to touch again. We want to hear again. We want to pray. We want to celebrate. We want to cry again. Because we love so much. We shared our lives together. Our kids grew up together. We played together. We prayed together. We did ministry together. We cried together. It was all in all the time. And so our lives were so rich and so full with so many people. Because if you want to have influence, you got to share yourself. You can't do it from a distance. 
You can't do it and say, well, you know, I'm going to share God with you, but I'm not going to share me with you. They go together. And that's what Paul did so well. He made influence. He touched other lives. That's why pastors are usually the first ones here and the last ones to leave. When there's ministry that needs to be done, they roll up their sleeves and they do it with them. I remember I was back in Crossroads and Mason Wingate. If you, anybody know Mason, Mason, big, big, tall, wonderful African American guy. I love Mason and Rita. You know, and Mason came to Crossroads and he was he was working in the kitchen. He loved to cook. And I went back there after an event, and they had pots and pans everywhere, and there was there was food everywhere, and there was the kitchen was an absolute disaster. And I was like, these people have been here like five hours already. I can't just go home. So I go in the kitchen and I start washing pots and pans. Mason says to me, what are you doing? I'm washing pans. Why are you washing pans? Because they need to be done. Pastors aren't supposed to do that. I was like, well, this pastor does that. You want to be a pastor? You're a servant. There is no job too low for you. Amen? The chairs need to be picked up. You pick the chairs up. The toilets need to be clean. You clean the toilets. If the grass needs to be mowed, you mow the grass. If somebody's in the hospital, you go visit them. If somebody needs food, you go give them food. Whatever it might be, you share yourself. You do not have a job description, and you only live by that job description. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus. Could I tell you, that's not just for pastors. That's for all of us. Amen? You know what makes a great church? When they're great people all in. Who care? That makes a great church. Paul says this. He goes on. I love these two verses right here. He says, We were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. Like a mother caring for her little children. Or a dad caring for little children. I see you have your beautiful little girl here. What's her name? Paulette. And you're just holding her so gentle. She is at total peace right there. It's like her most beautiful, confident, just kind of sacred moment of just enjoying dad's heartbeat beating. Beautiful, isn't it? Think about Paul saying, I have loved you like a mother loving her little children. And then in verse 11, he says it this way. He says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children doing what? Encouraging, comforting, urging you to do what? Live lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Want to have influence? As I said earlier about Mr. and Mrs. Clifford, be a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad to another kid that's not part of your family. Be a, be a small group leader. 
Be a small group leader of adults. Be a small group leader of children. Be a small group leader of middle schoolers. And get to know each of their names and hear their stories and go to their baseball games and spend time with them. Don't just hang out and teach them a lesson. Get involved with their lives. And your life will make a difference. It's one youth leader that was your youth leader. His name was Tom Hockeiser. Tom was a retired state police officer. And Tom was the ultra youth volunteer small group leader. You know who Shane Valenstein wanted at his wedding when he got married? He wanted Tom there. Why? Because Tom made a difference in his life. Tom spent time, loved. He spoke words of wisdom and encouragement, even discipline at times. You can do the same thing. On our campus where I pastor now, there's a, we have a Christian school. It's uh, called Olive Knowles Christian School. We have about, about 450 students on campus every day. To K through 8th grade, and um, we have a, a principal. His name is Rusty Rhodes. Rusty's dad was the pastor of Olive Knowles for 25 years. His dad preached on Sunday, and at 58 years old, died on Monday. He left four children behind, and a wife. Her name is Lita, and Lita is... Um, She's a widow, but she's been at Olive Knowles since her day her husband passed away. She's right now currently, by the way, fighting COVID in ICU. I just visited her on Wednesday before I, before I came to, to uh, Maryland. I'll tell you the story some other time when I have time to get into a COVID unit when you're not supposed to be there, but I did it. <laughs> but her son, Rusty, is our principal. Here's a picture of Rusty. Right back here. These are the kids. Here's what I love about Rusty. When you walk around campus, he knows all of the kids' names. He's the principal. He greets them by name. He prays over them. He plays with them. They run up and grab his legs, and he's walking down through the campus with four or five kindergartners on his legs. They just love Rusty. You know why they love Rusty? Because Rusty loves them. Because Rusty isn't just a bureaucrat. He's a pastor. He has a pastor's heart. He loves every single one of those kids. He knows their parents. He prays for their parents. He encourages them. He invests in them. He's a influencer. So here's my question to you as we conclude this message. Who are you influencing? Who is influencing you and who are you influencing? Do you know their names? 
Can you identify your circle of influence? And are you willing to do three things? Pay the price, put God first, and are you willing to share your life? Share your life. That may mean a meal. That may mean a ball game. That may mean doing life together. People see your life. You'll do that, my friends. This won't just be a sermon. This could be a life-changing event. Amen? I conclude with this. I love this little story. It's uh, the University of San Diego. Uh, you know, hold on. It's in one of these sheets somewhere. Here it is. Researchers at the San Diego State University looked at whether a simple sign could persuade people to make better choices. And so for 10 non-consecutive days, they posted a sign in front of an airport escalator encouraging travelers to take the stairs instead of the escalator. Some examples of the signs were, please reserve the escalator for those who need it. Don't lose time, lose weight, use the stairs. If you want to feel younger, act younger. Step it up, use the stairs. The result? On the days when the sign was present, twice as many people took the stairs. Significantly, the prompts appeared to work for everybody, those who never exercised, and those who exercised frequently were both persuaded to take the stairs, this time because of the sign. Catch this. Your life is a sign. People are reading you all the time. Are they reading your life in such a way that their life is wonderfully, marvelously transformed to walk the path worthy of God. Christ shines in you and that you begin to live your life in such a way that people go, I want to be like him. He wants to be like Jesus. And soon they begin to realize that your life is about Jesus' life and their life becomes about Jesus' life. And soon the power of influence just grows spontaneously in miraculously and powerful ways. God needs people like you to be influencers in somebody else's life. Amen? Worship team's going to come, and we're going to sing. As we, as we sing together, let's review the four points. Decide today what kind of influence you will be. Decide today that you will pay the price that must be paid. Decide today to choose influence over popularity, that, will, that you will choose pleasing God over pleasing people. And last but not least, decide today that you will pour your life into others without fear, 
without reservation so that your influence will make a difference for years to come. Amen? Praise God. Stand with me, would you? Father, thank you so much for encouraging us today to be better influencers. God, right now, as we sing this final song, maybe there's some, Lord, that need to say, God, I need to start putting you first. Lord, I need to be a better influencer by sharing myself with others. Lord, I need to stop trying to live my life to please others, instead, please you. And sometimes that means i got to be a better friend, a better spokesman for you, somebody who leads the way instead of following the way. Oh, God... Maybe I need to be a better churchman. Maybe I need to get more involved. Maybe I need to make church a priority again in my life so that I can make an influence on those that are a part of this body and that this body will have a greater influence on this community. So Lord, have your way today. We need you. We hear today. We want to be transformed today. Our lives need to be different, oh God. So speak and change us, mold us and make us more like Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.